0: Get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen
1: in this ball. TC Martin. And roll. You got a Wednesday. It's the TC Martin Show coming your way live. You can follow also at All kinds of quality sports information across the board, show archives, and more. www.thetcmartenshow.com. I'm Chris Wynn in for the Dr. TC Martin. He's live in Houston. They're getting set. Game two of the World Series goes down tonight. First pitcher on just past five o'clock local time. Jose Arquite on the Hill. For the Astros, Max Freed hits the mound for Atlanta as the Astros will look to even that series up. Or the Braves could go up 2-0, and then the Astros would really be up against it in the fall class. So we're joined here live in studio by Joe Arrigo, co-founder of the, L- the uh, franchise LV. Uh, does a tremendous job covering all things Vegas when it comes to sports. He can also chop it up too when it comes to the NFL oh, yeah. and uh, across the board, and uh, hey, even VGK because uh, you're a Vegas guy, so you're a Vegas guy now. Yeah, so I mean,
2: I'm, yeah. I'm past the five year threshold,
1: exactly. So you're you're, you're pretty much <laughs> yeah you're, you're down to talk about it, no question about it. Big time matchup, obviously here in Nevada for the Cannon up in Reno as Nevada hosts UNLV. UNLV sitting at 0 and 7, looking for the first victory under Marcus Arroyo. We've been talking about UNLV athletics, the state of the program. And uh, moving forward now, we've got the game coming up on Friday. And uh, Joe, obviously checking your Twitter feed, you're wired in when it comes to uh, personnel decisions and, and the possibility of what could take place here on Friday. But uh, obviously, you talked about it, what's been happening all year long. It's not like this Rebel team is getting smoked every week. No. That's just not the case, okay? They're right there on the doorstep in most of these games. They have an opportunity to win. And believe me, as someone who's a Detroit Lions fan, okay, and can absolutely relate <laughs> to having an opportunity to win a football game, That's terrible. and then circumstances present themselves where you don't, okay? You know what I'm saying, Joe? This is the kind of situation, again. Where UNLV can absolutely go up there and win this football game, but uh, they're up against it. I mean, they're going on the road against a a decent Nevada team, and yeah. uh, it's they're going to have to. Uh, uh, I don't want to say pull a rabbit out of a hat, but they're going to have to do some things uh, to to end up pulling out a W against this team.
2: You know, Carson Strong, the the UNR quarterback. I won't say Nevada because. The, the 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 friends I have at UNLV kind of get upset when I say Nevada or Reno, so they say this. They'll mystery. snap at you. Yeah, so it's just UNR. <laughs> yep. I know, I know they don't like it, but whatever. <laughs> but the UNR quarterback Carson Strong could be the first quarterback taken in this draft. Mm-hmm. He's a legit guy. He's got a hose for an arm. He can toss it at least sixty. They'll put balls on a diamond. and he does a good job. He can get to the line of scrimmage and he can change the plays. Mm-hmm. He knows that he's been in that system long enough where he can, he can change the play, which makes it extremely difficult for the defense. Um, but you know what? UNLV's defense hasn't been bad all year. Mm-hmm. They got manhandled against Iowa State, but they're bigger, they're st- stronger, and in some cases faster. And they they're,
1: they put themselves in positions to make some big plays. They did,
2: yeah. And and you look at the UN So the defense is good. The defense is fine. They've done a, they've done a really good job stopping the run. They've done that. Um, really, I mean, they held Ronnie uh, Ronnie Rivers to under mm-hmm. 50, under under sixty yards rushing. They do a real good job stopping the run. The secondary, they're a little banged up, but they played well, too. They give, they, they give up plays, but that's lack of pass rush, which has gotten better. So the defense is okay. Romeo Dubs is, a, is one of the best receivers in, in really all college football, all right. and he's a matchup problem. But Noel Williams could be the best cornerback in the Mountain West, and he, he's a rebel. So the this is going this is going to be an intriguing matchup but they just have to finish. Mm-hmm. And and it's really the last 7 minutes of a game. Every loss that they've had that's been clo- it's been in the last 7 minutes. Yeah. They have to close out games.
1: You mentioned the quarterback strong course for the Wolfpack uh big time season so far, o- over, almost 2500 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, four picks for him. But one of the more Interesting, I guess I'll put it. Uh, uh, aspects that we talked about with UNLV football this year has been the quarterback position, right, mm-hmm. for the Rebels. What's your perspective of how this is going to be handled spe- uh, specifically in this game moving forward?
2: Um, I, I, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen,
1: Joe? Who's nah. going to be the signal caller nah, the know, most look, of the game? Look. Because look, there is they it's there's been a lot of switcheroos. Okay, you had multiple guys going in playing the position. In games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not just in series, in games, you know, and uh, it's, it's it's been, you know, kind of a confusing thing for Rebel fans out there and for football fans to kind of follow regarding Marcus Arroyo and the powers that be there, right, the coaches, right. as far as what their decision-making is regarding the, the signal-caller position
2: for so, the Rebels. So, Doug Brumfeld has a back injury. Mm-hmm. I can say that publicly because it's been said publicly. Right. I won't say what it is, mm-hmm. but... It, but Doug was back – he came back Monday to throw a little bit. On Tuesday, he was out there in full pads, and he was slinging it. So okay. I think Doug is day-to-day. I think there's an outside chance that Doug could play. I would – if I was a betting man, because I don't bet on sports, mm-hmm. believe it or not, um, Cam Friel probably is going to be the starter. Okay. Um, and I get asked this a lot. I know, you know we'll probably get into it. Um, I think Tate Martell will – will be used in various roles um, in maybe some wildcat quarterback like a Taysom Hill. Uh, I know he's worked out at a receiver this week, and I can say this, Tate and Coach Arroyo get along great. Tate just wants to get on the field, compete, and try to win ball games, help this team win. That's all his goal has been since UNLV was the landing spot. It was just to get on the field, compete. He doesn't care what position. And now that I think Doug and Cam have started to kind of, I don't want to say separate, but Tate came in late. Um, I think Tate wants to get on the field. And and those are the two guys right now that I think Coach Royals kind of hits his wagon to.
1: Let's talk about Tate Martell because obviously a local kid, right? Tremendous success here with Bishop Gorman, a program that, uh, you know, let's be frank about it, is one of the more uh, high-profile elevated programs in the country at a high school level. And then, of course, he goes to Ohio State, right? And Obviously, we we understand. Uh, you know, when you're recruited to a blue blood, big time school like that, you have expectations not only of himself, I'm sure, Tate, as far as being the quarterback of the Buckeyes, but also the Buckeyes of him. It didn't work out there, so he ends up going to Miami. We uh, we saw how that situation panned out. It didn't work out as well too. Now he's back here. You had a chance to talk to him back in the summer. Okay, right. twice, twice. Now. I, I would expect, and this isn't breaking news or anything, I would expect that his viewpoints and his perception are probably very much different now as opposed to back then, right? Because back then, the expectation was, hey, this guy is going to be our quarterback. I mean, I mean, call me crazy, but when, I, when there's a guy that is at that level as far as what he's recruited at and what he's expected to be at the quarterback position, and you're going to the likes of Ohio State and Miami, you know. And, yeah, so it didn't work out, whatever. But you're coming back to a program like UNLV. What's the natural reaction of everybody? Everybody's like, the job should be his to lose. You know what I mean? So go from that to what his position right now is with the football team, Joe. And where do you think it, uh, he stands from a, from a mental standpoint and so, his approach?
2: So, Tate. Back in January, February, mm-hmm. um, started working out with Drew Amawave. Drew is okay. a renowned quarterback coach. I mean, the Elite 11 quarterback coach, the top quarterbacks in the country, he works with them. Um, Drew lives in Utah now, and he comes down every couple of weeks, and he was working mm-hmm. with Tate. changed Tate's throwing motion. I mean, Tate used to be a little sidearm. He's over the top, standing tall, increased his velocity, his arm strength. It was Tate was in freakishly great shape. I mean, just, I mean, ripped. And then, um, unfortunately, um, you know, I mean, and th- there were some schools that were interested in him, but he always, his focus was UNLV. <laughs> he wanted to come home, he wanted to play home in front of his friends and his family and a support group. And when Coach Royal and him had a chance to sit down and talk, and Tate went to his. His Coach Royals football camp. Mm-hmm. A week before it, Tate tore a thumb ligament in his right right hand. So it was throwing thumb. And he had to have surgery on it. He still went to the camp and threw. Had surgery the next day. Um, and Tate just wanted to compete. That's it. Yeah. He, didn't, he wanted to come home and compete. If it was our quarterback, he knew the expectation for the public and people outside of the circle was for him to come in and be the starting quarterback right away. But he knew that wasn't realistic. He said, if, if I need to change positions, and he, he explained this to Coach Arroyo, and Coach Arroyo, one of the reasons he was on board was, you know, I'm bringing in an ultra-competitive guy, a guy that has been there in the big – that could be – his persona, his presence, and the way he views things could help change the program's culture within itself because he's been there at Ohio State. When he went to Miami, he, you know, he said it in the interview that we did, it wasn't – it was, it was like, I got to go to Miami because my friends are there. It was three days later. It wasn't like he was sat down and had a thought process, and then they changed coordinators, and he's under the center. Now 50% of what he does is taken out of a playbook. So it was a bad fit from the beginning. So when he came here, it's like, I'll do whatever you need me to do, coach. Outside public, yeah, he's going to be the starter. Realistically, Tate was just going to on the field to compete. He, guy, he hasn't been on the field other than that redshirt freshman year. For you know sparingly, really consistently since the senior year in high school, mm-hmm. so I think it's un it was unfair and unrealistic expectations to expect Tate to come in and be a starter day one, week one, or week four, week five. I think it was unrealistic.
1: We're talking with Joe Regal here live in studio. UNLV getting set to uh, travel up to Reno, uh, battle for the Cannon, in-state rivalry, obviously between these two teams, and uh, we talked about obviously the Nevada offense, right, and uh, and how potent they can be and uh, the weapons that they have. It's, uh, and you talked about UNLV's defense. It has, They're at points. They have made some big-time plays. I mean, that secondary from Williams to Hill, obviously uh, Oliver has made some big plays as yeah. well, too. That's going to be a huge key, right, in this game is going to be what that UNLV secondary is able to do up against the likes of uh, the aerial offense that uh, UNR can put out there.
2: 100%. You got, I mean... Yeah. Noel Williams, Aaron Lewis, Davon Walden will be back this week off an of, off of injury, um, Cam Oliver. Those are guys, I, I think Michael Victor is good. I think this is a guy this week I would keep an eye on. Um, a 6'3", 205-pound slot corner that could even play some safety for you. Uh, Phil Hill has really solidified the strong safety spot. Baldwin and uh, James Baldwin. Who who's a freshman does a real good job at free. Same with Bryce Jackson, who's a senior now. The secondary is 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 okay. They just it's they got to get pressure on the quarterback. You got to pressure Carson Strong to make some throws, and if they're able to do that, the 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 say the the secondary is opportunistic. I mean, Cam Oliver has two picks. Almost took the one to the house against um or last Thursday. Okay, in, yeah in 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 that in the San Jose State game. Yeah. Um, so when you look at, or no, excuse me, Utah State, pardon me, it was because he got caught from oh, behind. Weeks ago. Yeah. So you, the secondary is opportunistic, and you got a guy like Aaron Lewis, quite frankly, Aaron's 5'9", five, five, you know, at, if that, and if he goes up against Dubs, Dubs is going to have his hands full because Aaron's going to fight him the whole way through. Hmm. Now there's a huge height difference, 6'3", yeah. 6'4", six, six six whatever, to fight. but Aaron was going to give him... Some trouble, and that's what I look for. You got you got to just get them off their routes, and you got to get them off schedule. If you can do that, it helps your defense out, and then in turn, it helps the offense out. Yeah,
1: uh, he's a co-founder of the franchise LV. You can follow him at Joe Rigo FSM on Twitter. Joe Rigo, join us here live in studio. Going to switch gears with him a little bit, gonna go going to go NFL. There's another team that plays. At Allegiant Stadium, of course, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders, Joe. Really, they yeah. do. Oh, and another wow. team that plays there, but it, it, playing this conference in this this division called the AFC West, and you know, in in, in the American Football Conference. Yeah, I don't, I don't
2: know anything about uh, the Raiders or the Raiders story in Vegas, Joe. Sorry. There's a little bit, the news,
1: little bit of the news, a little bit of news a few weeks ago regarding their head coach, obviously John Gruden. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Slatt resigned slash basically bounced out as the head coach of the Raiders, and I think a lot of us are surprised by how things have shaken out regarding the Raiders here the past couple of weeks. Because it could have gone two different ways, right? It could have gone way south, where everything just falls apart. They're in, a, you know, they're, they, they have a couple matchups against upstart teams, you could say. At the time, the Denver Broncos were an upstart team. Now we kind of get an idea of what they really are. And then uh, the likes of the Philadelphia Eagles. It could have went bad, right? And everybody could have, you know, basically just said, oh, Rich Basaccia, who, why is this guy the head coach? Blah, 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 blah. It ended up going the other way. Okay? Yeah. It ended up going the way of, okay, we're going to rally behind our guy. We think, you know, this is almost a perception of it's us against the world, and uh, the NFL just was out to get us, and and we're just going to continue to do our thing. Everybody else is still in place except for John Gruden, and so we're going to go out and handle our business. That's kind of the way it's went. Were you kind of surprised at uh at what they've been able to do here the past couple of weeks since the
2: resignation of John Gruden slightly as a coach. slightly yeah. mm-hmm. and the reason why I say slightly is because they brought in good locker room guys mm-hmm. and what I had if I'm a Raider fan and just me from the outside being in locker rooms what I had hoped would happen yeah. actually happened where Derek Carr now is the solid in the one voice in the locker room he doesn't it's not stifled by coach Gruden mm-hmm. you know John Gruden was the face of the team and he was the voice of the team well, now it's the team, and it's actually Derek Carr's team. So you see a more loose Derek Carr. Watch, I, was yeah. on, I was at the game on Sunday yeah. watching him on the sideline with, you know, communicating with Scott Olsen and going through it. I haven't seen him like that in a number of years. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me when he was at Fresno State, how he was with, with, with DeBer and Coach Hill at the time. Yeah. It was It was just him being – so, no, I'm not surprised. I'm slightly surprised because, again, the season could have gone off the rails. And they could have been in contention for the number one overall pick. But instead, they rallied around each other. And, you know, I, I was critical of Mark Davis as to, in terms of not coming out and having a statement and letting Mike Mayock go to the podium and talk and let Coach Passaccia, Derek, Darren, and, and Max as well. But Mark's done a real good job. He's done a great job since the whole relocating here and the way he's handled the media and handled everything. And it's no different with this. And the guys that uh, have rallied around each each other, and it's us against the world. And and I think Mark Davis, when he has the opportunity to take a shot at the NFL, he does. You know, he's today at the owner's meeting said, you know, hey, he asked Commissioner Goodell, how long did you have these? You know, you've had these for a while. Why did you just drop them before the season? In right. the middle of a of, of a tense owner's meeting, mm-hmm. and he's and he's holding him accountable. Right. And then they asked him afterwards, you know, and I love the fact that Mark is a Mark's is like, I'm, a, I'm not the story. I'm gonna wear my starter jacket in a backpack. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna have you got I'll hold yeah. court with you for a while. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Yeah, I think it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, of course, I think it's wrong. And, and and but we're the Raiders and we don't expect anything less. It's not fair and I would think it's gonna change. But hey, it is what it is, so we're used to it. I love that. And and, and Mark's just a genuine dude. Yeah. Like, I know we've seen him at you see him at Aces yeah. games and absolutely see him around town. He's just a real honest. This is how it is. Tyus is the guy's guy. It's been
1: a great fit for Vegas, really, 100%. To, to have them come in. But uh, and you brought up, of course, the NFL media. After the break, we're going to get into another story that came out of there that uh, <laughs> isn't in- is interesting to say the least. But uh, but but back in the Raiders and Derek Carr specifically. Look, uh, it's almost you. You talked about uh, you know it, he feels freer. There is there's absolutely a sense that the offense almost has been unleashed since John Gruden has left as the head coach. I mean, uh, is there a lot of truth to that? Because look, I mean, you look at st- from a statistic standpoint. Uh, I can't even say it. Statistics standpoint for, for Derek Carr, he's you know what the only the only NFL quarterback with over three hundred yards passing, I believe, in the last five games. Offensively, it just seems like they uh, they they've cut loose a little bit more. Now that uh, Olsen is just basically the guy that's running it and it, there's well, no there's no Gruden influence I guess that's is the, the, way the best to put way, it. way to say it
2: because yeah. Derek also has input with the offensive game plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that's key. I TQ who does a, who does a show with me on Franchise Sports Media um, he said and he said the best a couple weeks ago when it comes to the first 15 plays script Gruden's phenomenal yeah. it's the adjustments now. Mm-hmm. And That's where yeah. he felt the game is maybe not pass-screwed by, but he needed to take a step back and let someone else do it. Yeah. I think now the first 15 is cool, but the adjustments, it's Derek and Oli working together, and they're seeing things, you know, the, the same. So right. they, they kind of know what's going on. And look, I've been a big Derek Carr, I don't say supporter, defender.
1: Exactly. Yeah, because let's be honest about it, right? He's a guy who's been under fire not because of his personality, he's a great guy, right? He's a uh, you know someone who's a, who's a, a god fearing individual, someone who you know, the, I mean, those are a tremendous characteristics that he has. But it's about on the field, right? It's about right. what you know his win loss record, basically. It's about you know not you know being a, being a, a playoff quarterback, right? Almost kind of the same along along the same lines of a Matthew Stafford, right? Where the guy's talented, we all know he's talented, but it just doesn't seem like you know it doesn't seem like. He's performing up to standards, but uh, you know he's absolutely emerged as a guy that can be talked about as one of the best in the league.
2: One hundred percent. And yeah. the thing is, he's he stabilized the quarterback position since maybe Rich Gannon. But Granton was there five years. Maybe even yeah. b- back to Plunkett. That's how long it's been since the Raiders had a legitimate quarterback. He stabilized it. He stabilized leadership in the locker room. He's a guy you don't have to worry about. Like like the thing we say with our company, we don't care if DC is at a strip club and you see him doing some type of illegal activity. Like that it, that's not a story to us because mm-hmm. that's his personal life. Yeah. But that's never going to happen because that's the kind of guy he is. You know what you yes. get with him. So that's why we use that as an example and he he has been everything the Raiders had hoped for and if you go back to ripe right, the year he he broke his ankle. He was probably going to win the MVP. Mhm. And then he comes back, and the next year he plays with a broken back. Part of his back was broke. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So
1: he's, been, he's dealt with adversity, and he's been able to, to come out on the other side he's of it. He's
2: unfairly took things yeah. on the chin when he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, if it, Whether it be if it was John or if it was Reggie when he was there or whatever the case may be, he's taken things on the chin, taking responsibility for things that he probably shouldn't have because it's made him look bad. But I'm, don't be surprised. If Derek Carr signs a massive deal with them this offseason,
1: another guy that is a clear indication that we are just, uh, when it comes to the NFL, we want our instant gratification. We want our, you know, if you're drafted in the first round, if you're expected to be a star, we want to see you be a star in like two games, right? I mean, that's, it's, I mean, it's it's two almost quarters. to that point right now. <laughs> and so obviously I'm thinking of the likes of Henry Ruggs, right? as a receiver henry you know didn't have you know obviously a great rookie season by any stretch of the imagination uh you know call it covid call it whatever it is it was It wasn't outstanding form he has started to emerge right and i just want to kind of get your take on what you think his progression is going to be and what you think. Because, look, we understand we we love guys like Renfro. You always got to have a guy like that, right? Obviously, Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the league, okay? Hasn't had the statistical season he had a year ago, but we still expect him to be a major cog right. in this offense. A huge key is going to be Henry Ruggs, right? And just how good this kid can be.
2: When he got drafted, I got a text from someone in, in the war room that just said, speed. Yeah. And... My question is: How much of that was rugs not being affected? How much of it was Grudy not using rugs the correct way? Because mm-hmm. rugs was never used at Alabama, running them deep corners and posts and dig. He was used. He was running dig routes, but he was running more bubble screens, slants, digs. Get get him in space. That and then you then you can utilize him over the top because that thread is still there. Mm-hmm. That's football one. But I seen last. All oh, you seen him running those nine routes, those mm-hmm. eight routes, those seven routes, which is corners, posts, and and and. Hail Mary is deep bomb, right? Exactly. For those that don't know. Yeah. So I love the Rugs. In fact, his trainer is a good friend of mine, uh, Deion Hodges. Mm-hmm. Deion trains him, uh, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram, Fletcher Cox, a slew of people, mm-hmm. Rasul Douglas. And Deion and I were talking about it this offseason. Like he was like, hey, he's like, Jay, Henry's about to blow up. Yeah. Just watch. He, he's, and give him credit. The guy's putting work in his craft. The guy stays committed to football. He's not out. You know, He's not a guy you see out and about doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that just puts in his work. So, I, Ruggs is, is is key because that opens up Darren Waller in the underneath stuff. That opens up Renfo underneath. Even even Brian Edwards. That opens up Edwards, opens up the running game. Like, okay, put eight in the box because now we can go over the top. Oh, you're not going to play in the box? Okay, now we can go over the top. That's the part I love about what Ruggs brings. And that's why, I, out of all the receivers, I thought Judy was the best route runner. I thought Justin Jefferson was the most complete receiver, but Ruggs was the best fit for the Raiders for what they do on offense.
1: We're talking to Joe Rigo, co-founder of the franchise Sports Media Las Vegas here, live in studio the T.C. Martin Show, on your Wednesday. Raiders coming off that 33-22 win this past Sunday over the Eagles. Now they get a bye week this week, and then next week they go to northern New Jersey to take on <laughs> a Giants team that is just floundering right now at 2-5. and five. So, I don't know. I mean, look, you don't want to call it like a tune-up game because it's the NFL. You know, every week is, is a challenge, but... uh is there a, is there a danger that this is a look past point for for the Raiders because obviously you have a, a big time Sunday night matchup coming up against your division rival in the Kansas City Chiefs coming up the week after? Your thoughts regarding uh, how this could go down with the Giants and the Raiders
2: coming up a week from now? I think the Giants are a mess, even though they had a big win this past yeah. weekend. Yeah, I you know and there's a bunch of injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is Saquon going to play? That's the that's the you know if Saquon. Mm-hmm. I like the Raiders in that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. You know, Pete Carroll does a good job. He leaves a most teams leave Saturday, and get their Saturday for the game Sunday, then leave. If they leave Friday, and get their Friday, it gives them a day of rest and kind of and coming off a bye week, mm-hmm. the Raiders are going to be healthy. Yeah. I expect Waller to be back. Yeah. I expect is you know,
1: Jacobs going to be? Uh, well, I don't know what the status is. He said
2: he okay. said he's ready to go. Okay, so really I mean, fun. you get Jacobs yeah. back. Hopefully, you get some. Your offensive line gets a little more healthy.
1: Yeah,
2: you know you you could be in a you could be in a good a good spot. So. I like the Raiders in that game. I, I'm i just not a big fan of the Giants and what they got. I, I talked to a Giants fan Saturday night. I was at Whiskey X at, at the Cosmo, right? Okay, yeah. And a, a buddy of mine was there, and he, he had a booth. And, he, and I said, so what do you think of your season? And he goes, they're probably, the, if they don't win tomorrow, they'll win one of the next three, but Judge is going to get fired and my worst nightmare happens. And I'm like, what's that? And he goes, Jason Garrett will be the head coach. Really? So that- – yeah, so I'm sure that
1: I'm sure that would just make Giants fans all across the tri state area just as static that uh you're running a retread out there the likes of uh Jason I mean, Garrett. Jason Garrett, that would be uh I don't know, it'd be it'd be kind of fun to watch uh the reaction from the so outside.
2: What I say is if the Raiders blow them out, uh-huh. it's the kiss of death and it's gonna be the Adam Gase effect, but they they they're gonna run another coach out of out of Jersey. Wow.
1: I could definitely that, – that, that, that would be intriguing to say the least to see what uh, the reaction would be if this does happen. It's the T.C. Martin Show coming your way live. Uh, by the way, NFL Week 8 kicks off tomorrow night. Uh, Joe Rigo a little bit familiar with this team, the a Green little, Bay Packers taking bit. on the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk some more NFL uh, after the break, but, uh, and we're also going to talk about uh, some developing situations and stories that Joe uh, has made me aware of regarding Toronto. the NFL – owner's meeting that's going down as we speak and uh we'll talk a lot about uh, we'll get storylines around the nfl too with Joe rego here live on the tc martin show it is your wednesday i'm chris Wynn in for tc martin who is hanging out down for the fall classic getting set for game two as the astros host the atlanta braves much more on the way after the break get out that ghetto there's more store, around your door, and more of what you're looking for
0: with the Dr. T.C. Martin.
1: Rolling along on a Huff Day, it is the T.C. Martin Show coming your way live. I'm Chris Wynn, in for T.C. Martin. I'll be in again tomorrow because T.C.'s going to be en route from H-Town back here to Vegas as, uh... It'll be the conclusion of Game 2 tonight of the World Series as the Astros are hosting the Atlanta Braves. And we have breaking news. Joel Rigo here is live in studio with us, co-founder of the franchise, LasVegas.com. And also, we have our esteemed host, T.C. Martin, live on the show. T.C., what's going on, my friend? See when? what's going on,
0: brother? Coming to you from the beautiful confines here, of course, at Minute Maid Park, my friend. And uh, thank you again for uh, stepping up to the plate, doing a fine job, brother. Appreciate you as always.
1: No worries at all, and I got it. It's got to come out of the gate with us, my friend. What is the mindset right now of H uh, Town as a whole? They take it on the chin in the first game of the World Series, obviously, and uh, you know, not not uh, offensive woes. You know, not, not weren't able to get uh, a lot of guys rolling around the bases there. Uh, what's the idea as far as uh, your guy, Dusty Baker, and this Astros squad right now?
0: You know, Dusty thinks that, uh, he goes, hey, it, it's it's one game, and the bottom line is, you know, when you don't get uh, leadoff hitters on, I mean, that's going to come back to bite you. And uh, the Astros didn't get a leadoff guy on for the first seven innings, and uh, that's it. I mean, you know, you got some guys that, uh, that, that, were, that have been slumping. You got Jose Altuve and uh, – against Alex Bregman at the top of the order, and that hurts you, you know, and that's exactly what happened. But they're taking the mindset that, hey, it's not like the Astros didn't do anything. Uh, their bullpen came in, and uh, Jake Odorizzi gave them a lot of good innings and relief. Didn't really have to burn up any of their main guys last night, so they saved Graveman, they saved Presley, you know, you know, uh, you know for down the stretch here tonight, hopefully. But they'll look at it like, hey, we've been here before, They've dumped a game before. As you know, uh, they've been down three games to nothing as recent as last year in the ALCS against the Rays. They forced a a seventh game, but they still feel that, hey, they're the favorites here. Uh, The offense is not going to get shut down uh, like it did uh, last night, and uh, it's one game. And and like Dusty said, more of the credit goes to the Braves. It's not that the Astros really did anything wrong. Uh, They cost them the game, but it was all about uh, the Braves really capitalized on those big bats so for the Braves, like you and I talked about yesterday, they came through. So kudos to the Braves for winning game one, but the Astros come out of here with a split. They're going to be real happy, uh, you know, knowing that uh, they got three in Atlanta and then back here for six and seven, if necessary.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, Jorge Soler, of course, big time game, goes two for five, had that home run, the two RBIs for the Braves. But uh, you, there's no doubt about it, right? You, you're expecting the Astros to have much more efficient offensive output tonight with uh, all the bats that they have there. But uh, how much pressure is it on Jose as he takes the ball for the Astros there in game two? And what essentially, I mean, let's be, let's be straight up about it. Uh, it's a must-win game for the Astros. You do not want to go down mm-hmm. 0-2. What do you, what do you think uh, Jose's uh, mindset is right now rolling into this matchup? You
0: know, all these guys are really calm, cool collective. You know, they're young. Uh, you know, Urquidy has had some struggles, but Urquidy's had some brilliant moments as well, too. So you're banking on, you know, Urquidy, you know, pitching at home, and Dusty wanted to go with him in game two instead of game three, and then uh, you give Garcia that extra day's rest, thinks Garcia with a little more experience is better on the road. So that's why Urquidy is getting the start here, you know, today. He's comfortable at home. He's pitched pretty well at home. So, you know, I think that's the mindset. But, yeah, there's pressure. There's no question about it. I mean, any way you look at it, this is the World Series, and even though you have home field advantage, you're staring across uh, these Braves bats. But we've seen this with the Astros before. You know where they've gotten down in the series. They were, you know, down 2-1 to Boston, and boom. You know, they came back and won three straight. So uh, pressure, no question about it. But remember, like we've talked about all along, this is a veteran-laden team. They've been here before. They've got the big sticks. They got the solid defense. And the key is if they can get a good five, six innings out of Rakiti, they'll be in pretty good shape. But he's going to have to shut down those upraised bats.
1: TC Martin, our host of the TC Martin Show, joining us live from Houston, getting set for Game Two of the World Series. The Braves hosting, or excuse me, the uh, Astros hosting the Braves in that matchup. Uh, we saw the unfortunate injury, obviously, right, TC, last night as uh, Charlie Morton was on the hill for the Atlanta Braves and uh, you know suffered a broken right fibula after he was struck, obviously, in the little right leg by Gurriel's uh, you know 102 mile an hour comebacker in that second inning of the game last night. And what was kind of crazy, and look, we, our, our perception uh, might have been a little bit different than yours. What are your thoughts regarding that injury? And, and then the guy actually stays in there, in the game, before uh, exiting in the third inning after suffering that injury, TC.
0: You know, again, you know, when you're at the ballpark, and, you know, again, you don't have the use of replay and commentary, so you really don't have any idea what's going on. And, you know, I noticed uh, him limping, you know, as uh, he was getting taken out of that game. And so we were all just going like, "Hey, what's what's going on here?" I go, "Wait, he's he's limping. That that's got to be a leg injury, either a hip or knee or something like that, you know." And again, you you know, he played it off, you know, really well. He's you know, from my vantage point, that you know, after taking that you know that line drive off the knee, that uh, that, that he he was okay. He covered up pretty well, but he couldn't cover it up with the Braves' training staff. And they said, "Hey, we got to get him out of here. It's unfortunate, you know." Charlie Morton, a former Astro, there's a lot of people that still love Charlie Morton here. And, uh, you know, now he's done for the series. So that is a crushing blow for the Astros as Charlie Morton is your number one starter coming into this series.
1: And transaction news, TC and, uh, and the guys here live in studio, left-hander Tucker Davison is the one who will replace, uh, the injured Charlie Morton, uh, Davison, uh, pretty young guy, 25 year old guy, uh, hasn't had a whole lot of big league experience. He had four big league starts this year. Uh, never, never been in a post game before. So, uh, you know, uh, Kind of a tough hit there for the Atlanta Braves from a pitching staff standpoint there for them. So uh, uh, I don't know if you know a whole lot about Tucker Davidson, TC, about uh, what he brings to the table for that pitching staff for Atlanta.
0: Well, he's, he's just a guy that's going to be another one of those arms that they're going to plan on using mm-hmm. in maybe games four and five. See What this injury does, is it now takes Charlie Morton out of game five. So Atlanta's already going to go with a bullpen game. They're going to go to the reliever city, you know, starting off in game four. Now that has to push everybody up. A game now, so now you gotta, you know, if you're Atlanta, you gotta say, okay, how does Max Fried come out of tonight's game? And that's a big thing. I mean, he's coming off that Dodger game with the Dodgers pounding him around, and that's mm-hmm. why there's the belief here that the Astros are going to be okay because we know how the Astros, uh, you know, what would they do against left handers. So, uh, you know, depending on what Fried does tonight, uh, he might not be available, you know, come up for game five, and that means the Braves may have to go two bullpen games in that sense. So that's why this injury is huge because. Charlie Morton was going to go at least twice, and maybe even three times. Maybe even uh, get a little relief appearance in Game Seven. Now that's gone.
1: It's uh, Game Two. It uh, first pitch just after five o'clock local time tonight, as the Astros are hosting the Braves in the World Series. TC Martin is going to be live there in the house. And then it'll be rolling back here to Vegas. Well, okay, so if it's T.C. Martin and he's on the road, what does that mean? It means that there are food adventures that are going on, folks, across the board. And Joe Rigo is live in studio with me. Joe, you had a recommendation for T.C., a spot for him to hit when he's in H-Town, my friend.
2: Yeah, T.C., my guy. Ter- What's up, Joe? The Turkey Hut. You have to try the Turkey <laughs> Hut if you're in H-Town. It is an institution down there. And it is, the food is phenomenal. You're going to dig it.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing, Joe. I'm not a turkey guy. I don't, I don't like turkey on Thanksgiving. I can't do it, Joe Rico. I can't do it. I'm all about the steak. I need the potatoes. Give me the ribs. Give me my Mexican. Give me my Italian. I'm just not
1: a turkey guy. Wait a minute. It's low on the food chain. TC.
0: Low on the food chain in the TC Martin world.
1: How is that even possible? So, so what's the deal on Thanksgiving? Are you a ham guy on Thanksgiving, or what are you rolling out there if you're not a turkey okay. guy when yeah. uh, you know on the biggest turkey day of the year? See when I'm here's what I, I, I've taken one for the team uh,
0: all of these years with the family and going and doing the things and all that sort of thing. But since the family family's finally dwindled over the years, yeah. I, I just stake it up, bro. I stay at home. I watch the, the the quadruple header of the NFL. I'm going to get the steaks. I'm getting the steaks the day before I'm going on the grill, brother. That's what it's all about. And speaking of food guys, yeah. just went to Papa's barbecue, just posted some, some pics there. So check it out. Had the pool park, had the brisket outstanding one of the best in h town if joe knows anything about barbecue in houston he'll uh, he'll nod his head give me a high five on that one but yeah. papa's barbecue just got down i just got down i got busy and that's the problem i mean so many good food spots when i get into the park i'm not that hungry but i did get the nolan ryan footlong hot dog last night it's one of my traditions i had to do that about during the fifth inning last night so yeah the food options in the park they get swayed because i got to throw down before i go in
2: Oh, yeah, that looks
1: good. Oh, we just got the pick. Yeah, Nunchuck just lined us up and showed us what was going on. What? Hey, you know what? Uh, TC, getting ready for game two. Got to get, uh, hey— Give, tell me what's going to happen. I, myself, personally, I think that the Astros are going to get it done. I say the Astros eating up the series. I think they get some offense going. I think you're going to see some balls flying out of the park there for Houston. I think you're going to see a lot of those orange towels getting tossed around. You're going to see the people fired up with their you know 1975 Astros jerseys in the stands. People are going to be happy. What do you think goes down here Game 2 of the series? I
0: do think the Astros answer the bell. And I think uh, even though Freed was fantastic in this postseason uh, up until the last game, I think that the Astros uh, will will get to him tonight. And uh, I think the bats uh, do come alive. But, again, if they're not hitting at the top of the order, if Altuve and Bregman are struggling, then they could find themselves down 0-2. Those two guys are going to be the keys in this game. Urquidy. Ah, you know, again, I mean, we've seen we've seen them on at times. We've seen them off at times. There's a lot of intrigue here because when you got the offense that both these teams have, you know, it, it's just who's going to take advantage of it. And obviously last night the Braves took advantage of it immediately with Soler's, you know, blast in the in the first at bat. And uh, there you go. But Soler, kind of weird. Uh, Brian Snicker moved him out of the leadoff spot tonight. I thought it was kind of strange to see him in the leadoff spot last night. But now they moved him down. And, uh, you know, so Rosario's going to go to that leadoff spot, which is probably even more dangerous. So we'll see what happens, man. But I think the Astros get it done. It's 1-1. And then we got ourselves a series, at least that's what everyone here in H-Town is hoping for. and That's what I'm hoping for uh, as well, too, man.
1: There he is, the doctor, our electrifying host of the T.C. Martin Show, live in Houston, getting set for Game 2 of the World Series. T.C., enjoy yourself there. We look forward to seeing you when you're back in town, baby, Vegas-bound tomorrow and uh, back on the show on Friday. All right, buddy?
0: That's it. We'll be at the Cosmopolitan on Friday. Everyone, come on out and enjoy the show. See you, Win Joe. Appreciate you guys uh, being there today. Thank yeah, you very absolutely. much. Nice no question
1: man. about. There it is. TC Martin live in Houston. And uh, by the way, we saw the pick too. So Nunchuck threw up a couple more picks. I saw yeah. had the, that marquee looking, uh, you know, display out there in the front of the uh, in the front of pops, and the food just had me mouth watering over here. So it was big time. I was loving it. But uh, it's the T.C. Martin Show coming your way live here on a Wednesday. I'm Chris Wynn in for T.C. Martin today. Also be in for him tomorrow. Joel Rigo is joining us here live in studio talking a little bit of NFL, talking some Raiders, talking some UNLV. And uh, now we're going to get back into the NFL because, uh, as I teased before the last break, there's some goings on down at the uh, NFL owners' meetings. And, uh, obviously, we're here in Vegas, so we talked a little bit about, you know, what Mark Davis, his reaction regarding the Washington football team investigation, his perspective of all that. But, Joe, there's actually another story that has uh, taken place as well, too, regarding the owner down in Los Angeles of the Chargers.
2: Yeah, it indirectly affects the Raiders. Uh-huh. And we can, you know, I don't know we run we short on time. time. Yeah. Oh, we got time. Okay, well, time. basically... Um, Stan Kroenke, right. the owner of the Rams, mm-hmm. is trying to stiff the NFL on legal bills and may sue the NFL over the indemnification clause in agreement he signed as part of the relocation. Right. Now, that's a clause that you sign if you're the people that are going to try moving to basically say, I'm a, we'll handle the bills, we'll mm-hmm. take care of, nothing comes back on the league. Well, St. Louis, there, there was an email that was sent out from someone in the NFL that is That somehow the attorneys for St. Louis, the city of St. Louis, got a hold of. Mm -hmm. And it's basically the blueprint for their legal case against the NFL. There are some teams whose legal bills are already eight figures. Kroenke's not trying to pay those bills.
1: Okay, so obviously when I hear this story, right, and everybody else listening too, and, and NFL fans out there and people around the NFL, they hear this, they think of, okay, someone's looking for... Uh, an opportunity to change the rules, right? Kind of admit, you know, one team, uh, the other teams had to uh, be responsible for this, and now it appears, right, that Stan Kroenke is trying to switch things up, pull the old switcheroo, so that uh, he doesn't have to, well, right? And am, am, am I getting the gist of it here? Is that yeah, kind of the kind idea? Of,
2: kind of, sort of. Because okay. if you go back to yeah. when the whole LA relocation was taking place. Mm-hmm. The Rams and Chargers had the deal in Carson, and they actually were approved, not Stan Kroenke, by a vote of five to one. Mm-hmm. Well, the NFL wanted Kroenke there because more money, he'll build the stadium himself, less headaches. Yeah. So they had this backdoor agreement. Okay, you take the Chargers, Ram or Raiders. Where do you want to go? Okay. I want to go. Okay, and everything worked and, out with Vegas. Everything yeah. worked out, but the city of St. Louis say, well, you guys broke your own, you guys didn't even follow your own protocols for relocation, and you've cost us hundreds of millions of dollars, so they're suing the NFL for that, well, Kroenke now is like, no, 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 like, I'm not paying the bill for you guys, so in this meeting today, Roger Goodell actually asked, and Jeff Pash, who's the chief legal counsel for the NFL, asked Kroenke to leave the mm-hmm. room, as well as every person that's not an owner or representative for the owner and league official at the meeting. Mm-hmm. And there was a lengthy discussion that Jeff Pash kind of ran through everything to the point where Jerry Jones was defending Stan Kroenke and said, and as Pash, Hey, like I heard, I was told that he's offering the settlement in the billions. And Jeff Pash goes, no, but it's what he's offering is worth is more than some of the people who own teams, right? For the city of St. Louis. Yeah. But then, Jerry Jones flipped in and said, "Well, I also heard that he's he may sue us because it's indemnification clause that he doesn't want to do it." And that every owner in there was irate. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmer of the Colts, Robert Kraft said, "Hey, you know this isn't right. I had to fit, pay all my, uh, flip the bill for all my legal bills. Exactly. And why doesn't he have to do? It? And he's the richest owner that we have in here." Yeah, that's yeah.
1: that's why I'm using the analogy. It's not even an analogy. I'm just using the viewpoint that, you know, it it, it has the perception that there's some type of special treatment going on here regarding Kroenke as opposed to what the other owners have had to deal
2: with from a financial standpoint. Right. As to this. Well, you know, so and, and, and part of this, at one point, Mark Davis goes, well, let me we remind everybody that we were voted to go to L.A. before they were 5 to 1. Like our proposal, but you guys didn't want it. You guys poo-pooed that. You didn't want it. Mm-hmm. To now, um, Daniel Snyder's wife, who's acting and, and as the person who runs the team since he's been suspended or whatever you want to call it, so apologized to the league for bringing forth all this stuff because of her investigation. Mm-hmm. To where Mark Davis then questioned Roger Goodell. Well, so speaking of that, how long did you know about these emails before you you? <laughs> and it just became a uh, a. Uh, 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 a show that you can put an expletive in front of exactly, and it, yeah. it's billionaires fighting with billionaires. It was it's it's comical and it's great. And just to
1: kind of put a cap on it, just not a position that if you're Roger Goodell, you want to be in right at the owners' meeting, where you're just getting you know essentially shell shock from each side uh, on on issues you know two different issues that you know that could be combined, I guess. But at the same time, not a great spot for Roger Goodell. You want to be in. When it comes to an owners meeting like that,
2: the, the 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 part is that that people forget is Goodell works for the owners technically, mm-hmm. so he's going to be the one taking it on the chin. That's why he gets paid so much to take it on the chin. Yeah, but now they're now they're fighting with each other, and I could say honestly, um, and publicly that Stan Kroenke is not happy with Dean Spanos mm-hmm. and the arrangement they have at SoFi Stadium in L.A. And he would love someone to buy the Chargers to get rid of Spanos because. He is now, people talk about Mark Davis's money. Their, their hands are always in Mark Davis' pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark Davis is fine financially. Dean Spanos is probably the, the most cash-poor owner in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it's now costing Stan Kroenke money. And Stan's not happy about that.
1: We'll see how it all shakes out there as the NFL owners' meetings continue there. Uh, Going on the field now in the NFL, Uh, one of the more anticipated matchups on Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football, kind of been a smorgasbord here during this season. There's been some good games, good matchups. and been some not-so-good ones throughout the history of Thursday Night Football. It tends to be a lot of bad games. Not the case this week as the uh, Cardinals, who remain unbeaten, and have matched their best start in franchise history since uh, 1974, they are undefeated. They take on a 6-1 and one Green Bay team, Joe, that uh, despite the fact that they got uh, just flat-out embarrassed, basically, in Week 1, have just gone on a run here. Uh, but they're still dealing with things. Obviously, uh, Alan Lassard as well as uh, Devontae Adams, both out because of Pro- uh, COVID.
2: Devontae has a chance to play. He, he has pa- an opportunity he, to play? From okay. my understanding, he passed one COVID test today, Okay, and if he passes one tomorrow, they're Maybe a private jet to fly him down to Arizona, and he could be there in time for the game.
1: Okay, so they, uh, I'm I'm just looking at the article from ESPN. They're saying that uh, there's a challenge facing the Packers because possibility Devontae Adams and Will uh, Lazard being on the reserve uh, COVID-19 list, and then uh, Marquez uh, Valdez Scantling obviously can come off the IR because he's missed the last four games with that hamstring injury. But uh, your anticipation of this matchup, I mean, look. The Cardinals, I have to say, are one of the surprises I think this year. People thought they'd be good. I don't know if they thought they'd be this good. And uh, Kyler Murray has really emerged as uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the league.
2: MVP right now, if mm-hmm. we had it. JJ Watt's out with the shoulder, mm-hmm. so that that definitely hurts. He's one of their he's their best run defenders, as well as their best. Right well, and Chandler Jones comes back, but one of their best pass rushers. Yeah. They, I think you're going to see Green Bay run the ball. They got a dynamic one-two combo with Aaron Jones and, and, and AJ Dillon. And if you get, even without the Green Bay 6-0, without Devontae Adams. Yeah. You know, so if, and Green Bay, from an injury standpoint, mm-hmm. their top corner, maybe the best in the league, Jair Alexander, has been out since week three. Zadarius Smith has been out. Preston Smith was missed last week. David Bocciari's out, and he's been, yep. he'll be back probably week nine. Elton Jenkins missed missed a, a three games of the season. Green Bay hasn't hit their stride, and they're still 6-1. And when you add... Jalen Smith, Whitney Merciless, Rasul Douglas. Green Bay is probably, when they get healthy, gonna be the deepest in, in the team that's gonna make a, a a big time run. So I wouldn't put anything past Aaron Rodgers.
1: Man. Yeah, there's no question. And and, and Joe, let's be honest, it's gonna be a lot of fun to kind of see the jockeying right of these top three teams in the NFC throughout the rest of the season. Obviously the Green Bay Packers as well as Arizona, and of course the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? They just keep going. Quarterback, I mean, are you kidding me? Tom Brady just keeps on doing it the guy you know could he play to 50 I guess but it's just uh and look the plethora of weapons that they have there in Tampa Bay and uh, Tom Brady 600 t- a touchdown pass and uh Mike Evans says hey fan here you go what this would you here. ask
2: for like 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 what would you <laughs> ask for if, if you if you got the ball from Tom Brady? What would you? What I, would you have asked for?
1: I, I got to be honest. They get and, me and his money. Maybe this makes me sound greedy, but I'd be like, Tom, just cut me a check for like two hundred k. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't go over That's the top it. and say, "Well, I mean, I, I, I w-, because I, 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 I want to maintain a, like a, a viewpoint that I'm not trying to completely. Put the screws to him, you know. Maybe five hundred grand. Okay, maybe, maybe yeah, Tom, just write me a check for five hundred G's. Bang. I mean, let to be honest. What what he, what the fan is getting is kind of ridiculous, right? A seventy thousand dollar Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not even a big thing yet. Yes, there are some places that accept it, and it's a, a type of uh, cryptocurrency that's kind of being uh, implemented, but it hasn't necessarily been a solid thing yet. And then all the other stuff is not even close. To what the, what three quarters of a million no, dollars no, the, that the ball could be
2: worth? No, they, I mean it's they, not even close. They appraised so. the ball at two hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and what the guy got for I'm like no jive. What the guy got for was like you know it was like four hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff. A thousand dollars in the shopping spree, two se- season tickets for the next. So two it years.
1: adds up to um, to almost four hundred grand. He got two season tickets for, okay. the, for the end of the, for the rest of this year, and then two se- full season for next year. Okay, so it's not even like for a lifelong season ticket. No, nothing like that. It's this year, next seasons? year, this year, next yeah. year, he got a thousand dollars in the store. He got uh, game cleats from Evans. He got mm-hmm. uh, game jersey from Brady. He got helmets um, and all this helmets is signed by him. Yeah.
2: Helmets, jerseys signed by Brady and Evans. Um, like it, it ends up being like four hundred grand worth of stuff. I mean, so he he made out, but for me, for me, I would have made. I, I would have, if it was, depending on the team, <laughs> if it was Green Bay, yep. I would have been like, season tickets for the rest of my life. Yep. You know, I, I and I would, I would want the jersey of that game, too, that he threw yep. the 600 touchdown passing.
1: Well, it would have been hilarious as if it was a fan of, uh, you know, any other team except for the Buccaneers that happened to get the hand of the ball in the stands. That would have been hilarious. And he knew kind of he reaction. messed up the second yeah. he gave that ball up. He was like, oh. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Joe, we appreciate you coming in the studio, man. No Good worries. stuff. Getting a chance to chop it up, all things UNLV, football across the board. Follow Joe at Joe Arrigo FSM on Twitter. Co founder of the Franchise LV Podcast Director for SB Nation's uh, Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Joe Arrigo, uh, always appreciate it, man. Getting a chance to chop it up with you appreciate on, a, on a Wednesday. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for
2: having me. Good Thank stuff. you, uh, everybody for listening. Yeah,
1: it's the TC Martin Show. It's come, come your way here on your Wednesday. Much more tomorrow. We'll break down, I'm sure, talk about Game 2 of the World Series. Uh, also, the NFL News will probably preview that matchup between Green Bay and Arizona and much, much more. Go to www.thetcmartinshow.com for all the show archives and information across the board. For T.C. Martin, for Nunchuck, for Joe, and for uh, and thank to our guest Nick Monsanto as well, too. Earlier, I'm Chris Wynn. I'll be back again tomorrow. Everybody have a great night out there.